Hey everybody, I'm your host and life coach, Kim Gross, and this is the Masks Off Podcast. In this podcast, I'm helping parents and teachers of teenagers and young adults to explore and understand the masks we often wear because of people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies so that they can guide their children and students in removing the masks and honoring their true selves. Each week we dive into how to go from a people-pleasing and perfectionistic prison to freedom, empowerment, and showing up fully in the world. You will hear about my personal experiences and wisdom, as well as from my knowledgeable guests. If you're ready to remove your masks and to help your children and students to do the same, drop into this week's episode. Welcome everybody to another episode of Masks Off. I'm Kim Gross, and today I have with me Anna Surrey. We're going to still talk about masks today, but we're going to talk about it from a different lens. One, a lens that I have not really talked about it from before, which is body image issues. But I want to definitely hit upon that. And before we start the conversation, I'll begin with a quote as I normally do. And this quote is from Dr. Shafali Sabari. And the quote is, honoring your own worth is an inside job. No one on the outside can help you. So I really thought that quote would be a good one to use because when we are trying to heal from body image issues or even any mask that we wear, the only one who can truly do it is us. We're the only ones who can change, can heal and grow and evolve. No one out there can do it for us. We can have people assist us, like you assist people along the way. I can assist people along the way. But at the end of the day, we're the only ones who can. So that's why I picked that quote. But before we start our conversation, let me give you the opportunity to introduce yourself in your own words. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation when we had that little, the little meet, meet and greet, and we started talking about it and we thought, oh, we should just record this right now. I so I th- I'm sure it's going to be pretty juicy <laughs> and so valuable for so many people. Mm. So I call myself an intuitive eating and positive body image coach. So I, you know, broadly speaking, help women overcome any eating challenges. So that might be any types of disordered eating, such as binge eating, overeating, emotional eating, under eating, chronic dieting. A lot of my clients have been dieting for multiple decades and they don't know how to stop. And so I help them in that transition to become intuitive eaters, meaning eating like a normal person, you know, the person that can just eat two cookies and not think about it for the next 24 hours, or the person who can eat breakfast without having a meltdown or order dessert at the restaurant without freaking out about calories or all the sugar. And this also includes body image work because most women go on a diet because they're unhappy about their body. So, you know, usually the root cause of the food issue lies in 
the body piece, uh, which is really the deep work that I do with my clients, which is really incredible because we find out that it's not about the body. It's not about the food. It's something much, much deeper. And like you said, yes, we it's an inside job that we got to do on our own. But sometimes these things are really difficult to figure out by ourselves uh, because we have a lot of blind spots and a lot of self-sabotage goes on. And most importantly, so much fear because when we've dieted and hated our body for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it's hard to undo that by ourselves. So yeah, that's the work that I do. And it very much comes from my own experience. I struggled with eating disorders and disordered eating for a good 20 years. And so that's something that is really helpful in this work because I really get what the people I work with go through and what they feel and what they're afraid of. So let me start by saying that going back to the part about the inside job, what I find is that it blows me away that so many people struggle with body image issues. What I say all the time is that at the end of the day, the energy that makes us who we are is the same energy that makes the trees, the ocean, the plants, the flowers. We are the same freaking energy. We came into this world knowing that we were worthy of love and belonging. And something shifts and changes along the way where we no longer feel and believe that. And I'm not the expert in eating disorders by any means. I can only speak from my own experience with an eating disorder and body image stuff that I know it's rooted in low self-worth. I have two questions. How is it that so many people that we can end up flipping a switch in our minds that allows us to feel like we're not worthy. And so we have these issues and put on masks. And then the second question is, as far as people that have body image issues, would you say that most either a aren't aware and don't acknowledge and admit or B, if they do know something's going on, are they too ashamed to reach out and ask for help so they stay in secret with it? So those are my two mm -hmm. questions to start okay. with. Yeah, let's see where it takes us. So I really wanted to come back to what you said, we're not born like this. And I think it's so important to remember that. And we can we have beautiful reminders, which are little children who don't give a hoot about running around on the beach naked they don't think about oh I wonder what people these people over there on the towel think about my belly now that uh, it's sticking out and my wobbly thighs as I'm you know walking over the sand they don't think like that they experience life from within their bodies and then at some point, we start to experience life from outside of it, meaning we're more concerned what we look like doing something rather than doing the thing. And, you know, that is multi-layered. It might be because our primary caretakers, our mothers, you know, a lot of the times there is a connection between daughters and mothers. The mother is struggling with her own body image issues. A lot of projection goes on. And as I'm sure you know, 
kids, even you don't even need to say anything. Kids will pick it up. They know what you're doing. They're aware of so much of your eating behaviors, how you feel about yourself. A lot of mothers will just say, oh, I can't believe I don't fit into this dress or I can't eat that because I'm trying to lose weight. Or they step on the scale in front of the kids and they get upset. So it could just be little things that the kids then pick up. So what you say about yourself, they automatically take it as it, that means the same about them as well, right? So they just think, oh, I need to be careful of that too. When kids are little, it's just like a sponge. Everything just goes in without questioning. And then we have that, you know, in our surroundings. And then it's, of course, society at large. It can be little things like watching an animation with the princess all the princesses are you know narrow-waisted with long thin legs with a perfect nose and very smooth skin and beautiful lush hair every single time every single time and usually the bigger people in the animation of the fairy tale are the bad ones or the annoying ones and you know it's the same in books it's the same in any kind of characters so we get fed this stuff from a very young age and then it just only continues on as we become teenagers, you know, even in the windows in the mall, the photos or the mannequins, they're all thin, long legs. It's always the same stuff. So of course we get this, we, we get this unrealistic idea of what we're supposed to look like as a woman, which is highly unrealistic because I think only two or three percent of, of women in the world have this type of body naturally most of us don't so it's unrealistic and yet we are being told that's what we should be striving for and that that's healthy you know having a body like that is healthy so you got to do what you got to do to get there even though it's not realistic so it's it, it's totally ridiculous but no one ever tells us this so we just so brainwashed and so conditioned to chase this ideal that we spend our entire life and all of our energy getting there and we're never going to get there. Mm. Some people might get there for a time, a blip. They get up, up there and then for them to get to that point probably took a lot of restriction and a lot of over-exercising and a lot of food obsession. So very unhealthy behaviors to get them to that dream body and it's not sustainable. So, so many women then fall back down, you know, the high comes, the crash follows and then we in that diet binge cycle. Yeah. Well, that blows me away. That two to 3% number one is crazy information. And what I hear you saying is that it comes from societal conditioning and pressure as well as from the mom. And I really can relate to that because, well, before I say that, I want to say one more thing as how this relate can relate to the perfection mask. Cause when you said they go from one end to the other end, a light bulb moment went off for me that what you are describing is the all or nothing thinking black or white thinking, which is so characteristic of a perfectionist. And you said that only two to 3% of women actually have that body type. And the rest of women are trying to attain and achieve that body image, which is perfection almost. If only two to 3% can actually naturally have that. And the rest of us don't, and we're trying to achieve that ideal. That's a perfectionistic ideal that we're all chasing after. 
So there's a perfection mask, right? I just want to make a correlation between the work that you do, what we're talking about and how it can translate into a mask. So how about that piece about the shame then? Do you believe that many people out there are unaware that they have body image issues, number one, and number two, if they are aware, are they too ashamed to ask for help to address it? I mean, I don't have numbers or anything. I would say a lot of people are aware and they're just really shamed. And the reason I say that is because every single person that I've worked with has told me that they never feel safe to share this with anyone for the fear of being judged. And that it's so helpful just to open up to someone because they know I get it and I'm, I'm not judging and anything is welcome. A large amount of people they're very scared because it's not portrayed anywhere in the media so they think they're the only ones who are struggling in that way they might they think oh I'm the only one who has these disgusting big thighs or I'm the only one who stuffs her face with ice cream every night I'm the only one who's who has has terror over possibly gaining weight or judging people who are in larger bodies they th always think they're alone in that but there are millions of people with that exact same struggle. And I know that because they all come to me and they tell me, and it's all very similar. Yeah. So the shame piece is important because the shame and not feeling good enough or worthy enough, not feeling okay about ourselves is what underpins us wearing masks and not showing up fully in the world. When I was 10 years old, I was flat chested, you know, flat, like a pencil, right? Just narrow, flat as a board. That's how I was up until I was 10. And then when I turned 11, I started puberty early and it seemed like overnight my body changed. I mean, my boobs got huge. My hips got big, my thighs, I have stretch marks because I just got so big so quickly and I got taller. I just sprouted up. I was taller than most of my classmates and had acne and everything. Very few of my peers were going through it at 11 or 12. Some were, but most were not. So I felt very different. It was very clear to me that I looked different from the rest of my peers. And as a human, that's what we don't want, right? We want to belong, know that we belong to our herd because if we're on the outside, my limbic brain tells me if I'm on the outside, I might not survive. That's the old brain. So, and especially at that age, that sensitive tender age of 11, 12, 13, you're really trying to fit in and belong. I remember, and my mom always struggled with her weight. And I remember one day she took me to like an exercise place. I don't, it, it might've been a Jenny Craig. I don't know. It was like a long, mm. long time ago, but I remember wearing a black leotard with white tights. And if you have really big legs, white makes you look even bigger. So I had these white tights on black leotard. We went into this place. I'm 12 years old. It's a place where you have to get weighed in, which I think right then and there is 
shaming in and of itself. And then there were mirrors on every wall. So Mm -hmm. everywhere you looked, there were mirrors and they had these machines. I don't know if they have them anymore, but you put this thing around your waist and you turn the machine on and it shakes your fat. It shakes your whole body. I just remember everything just jiggling and shaking and just looking in the mirror and feeling so incredibly ashamed. I loathed what I saw in the mirror and I was 12 years old. And then on top of it, moving forward, the boys would make fun of me, calling me things like thunder thighs and hooters. And as I moved into high school, all of my friend, my best friends had boyfriends and I did not have a boyfriend. I believed that I was unworthy of having a boyfriend because of the way that I looked. So that was the starting point of my trajectory of lose weight, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, binge, restrict, binge, restrict, and just always, and yeah, always just looking in the mirror and not liking what I saw. I hated going and trying on clothes when I was in high school because half the time the clothes that were there, I couldn't get them past my knees. So I share this story because it might be helpful for moms that are listening to pick up on or see if their daughter and or son, I take my mess and I make it my message. That's the reason that I'm sharing that story is to be able to see what you have to offer on that and how we can help people that are listening. Thank you so much for sharing that. And just like you say, because it takes courage to share our struggles and our journeys. And just by you showing that courage, some other people will feel safer to also share their story. And so we can just really bring this out into light because what you just shared, a version of that, all of my clients have had a version of that. This is not something that we go through in isolation. This is something that so many people struggle with from a very young age. And just a little thing I felt to, sh- to kind of add on coming back to the limbic brain and the sense of belonging. So I think it's really important, even in the context of moving away from the shame to understand that in your case, your eating behaviors, it was a form of survival. Is It's what you knew at that time, how to navigate this fear of death you know when it really comes down to it and and creating a kind of safety because belonging creates safety and so this is something that I work on a lot with my clients how can we create safety in the body a lot of people feel so ashamed of their body and so scared because of all that it represents and all the history that it carries that they're very much checked out of their bodies and they're not even really feeling their bodies anymore which then of course is tricky to then eat in a way that is intuitive because you don't even know when you're hungry or when you're full and what kind of foods you're craving because you're fully checked out and a lot of people who struggle with binge eating and bulimia are very much disconnected from their bodies and they're terrified to go back in there because a lot of trauma lives there and a lot of traumatic experiences that we've had from you know from whatever age it started so safety is such a big piece it's signaling our body safety 
so that we can then reconnect with it and feel it is is a really big part of it. So I just kind of wanted to add that. And I think as well, this is so important to mention, as women, our bodies are different to men's, but we don't live in a women's world. We live in a men's world. And again, we've been taught, and this is very much in connection with the masks that we wear, we wear a men's mask. You know, in order to make it in the world, we have to work more in the linear fashion. Women is is more the circular. I, I see women as a circular being, whereas men are just like, there's either good or bad, right or wrong. You know, we got to reach these goals and it's about striving and not so much about being. And so in this attempt to be more like a man in order to succeed in the world and to survive, we've kind of totally devalued the strength of the feminine essence, uh, which is intuitive, which is round, right? We, we are softer. Um, and that includes our bodies. In the attempt to, again, be more masculine, we also have got it in our head that we need to make our body more masculine, lean and flat and, you know, flat stomach, toned legs, narrow hips, that kind of thing. And so I think it's important to understand that a lot of the struggle for a lot of people is also really coming back to that feminine part of themselves because that's been denied for, or they've been denying themselves of that, again, for the fear of not being safe within that. So I just wanted to add these two little pieces. Hey friends, I didn't mean to leave you hanging. We'll get back to the show in a moment. Are you wondering whether you're a people pleaser or a perfectionist? Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, Kim, of course I know I am one, but I'm not sure all the ways that these patterns show up. Well, you can take my people pleaser perfectionist quiz on my website at kimgrosscoaching.com and find out the answers. And if nothing else, the quiz is really fun to do. Now let's get back to business. Um, Okay, so in terms of how can we navigate this with our children, I think first and foremost, it starts with us. So it always starts with us. And for anyone listening, if you are struggling with this, if this is a part in your life, I would highly recommend getting some support in whatever form feels good to you. Uh, Because we can't teach something or um, demonstrate something to our kids if we're not living it. So simply by us doing our work, we will show them. We don't even need to tell them. We just show them. You know, when we start to speak differently about food, because we learn that that's not useful, if we start to speak differently about our bodies, then they will mirror that. And if you don't have any problems, but you're new to the world of intuitive eating and the whole realm of body image, some things that are really obvious, you know, if you notice that your child is eating differently, if they're starting to cook their own meals or going, no, no, I'm not hungry. Or if they're not participating at mealtime and they're just in their room, that would be a concern. If they're not eating any of the sweet things or dessert type things or no carbs, if you're just noticing a pattern of certain foods that they're not eating. The, the problem is, and I remember this too from my own story because I developed anorexia as a 16-year-old, my parents couldn't tell me anything. I was very much in denial and it was a different time. It's a long time ago. Now there, you know, there's a lot more awareness around this and also a lot more support for parents. So I think it's, it's tricky to navigate because of course you're concerned for your child. And I do think the help best comes possibly not from the parents, 
because it can also be the rebellious time where whatever comes out of the parent's mouth, you don't want to hear it. And then in terms of body, again, it, I really do think the most important piece is the work that you do on yourself. Don't weigh yourself in front of your kids. Don't talk in any way about your body in front of your kids. Don't tell your kids about anything about their body. It can be just the littlest comments. You could just say, yeah, I'm going to the, to the gym because I ate a lot of chocolate yesterday. You know, yeah, mommy's just going to do a workout because she had a really big dinner last night. Stuff like that is a total no-no. And speaking to your children more about how special they are for being who they are and not because of their appearance. Again, you know, we have our sense of self-worth so tied up with our appearance. We don't see that they're separate things. So how can we show our children that they're good the way they are, no matter what their body looks like? Because as a parent, I'm sure you can attest to this, you don't care what your kids look like. You will unconditionally love them. You would die for them, even if they're in a bigger body, even if they had a big scar on their face. So show them. And then, of course, in that same breath, if we don't love our children less for their appearance, how can we love ourselves less for our appearance? So it comes back to us. So the biggest piece is just doing the work on ourselves. As you start to transition and you start to become aware of how you speak about yourself, then you can transfer that as well to your kids. I was working with a client not long ago. She had two daughters and one was very lean and thin and tall. And the other one was shorter and had a belly. And there was this constant comparison between, but she's so pretty and I'm not. I need to start playing basketball, even though I want to dance, but I'm too fat to dance. All of those things were really confronting for my client because she had the same internal struggle. So as, as we did the work together, she could really empower her daughter to just show up as she is and really discover her incredible personality and her strength and her confidence I have a quick question about that example that you just described the girl saying, oh, you know, my belly, she's prettier. Would you recommend that a mom in that situation say to the daughter, oh, no, you don't have a belly. No, you're not. In other no, words, no. Disc- yeah. yeah, right. Do no, you see what I'm no, asking? No, no. <laughs> yes, totally. Great question. No, we want to acknowledge. Yes, you do have a bigger belly. And that really hurts. If you tell her you're imagining it, you're essentially lying to your child and you're invalidating what she's feeling. That would have been a total disconnect. So it's very much about going, I know that you have a bigger belly than your sister and also a bigger belly than most of your friends. And I know that's really freaking hard. It's really hard because that's the truth. You know, it's hard to be in a bigger body in this world. It sucks. It's unfair. And we can see that and then we can go, okay, and what are we going to do about it? Because this is the reality. There is no point in going on a diet, exercising more in order to lose weight. My client had been dieting for 40 years or so for most of her life from age 10. And she knew from experience it wasn't working. So she could impart that knowledge and that wisdom and explain to her daughter that there's no point in eating less or going running, even though we hate it in order to control your body. So, you know, how can we be with this 
yeah, it sucks that that you look different and it makes some things harder. And how can we connect to the amazing, brilliant person that you are with all of your strengths? What do you really love to do? Let's do more of that. Let's buy some clothes that you feel really good in. And they got to a place where, where they went clothes shopping and she was striking, you know, superwoman poses in the change room, just really owning it. It was a really transformative healing experience for both. Intentional weight loss is not a successful long-term strategy. It doesn't work and it only leads to very harmful and dangerous and unhealthy behaviors. Yeah. Clients who come to me and they go, I don't want to diet anymore, but I'm really struggling with this body. I, I can't let go of wanting to lose weight. And I totally get that. That's totally okay. We can still have the desire because it's so deep seated within us, but we can still do this work and we can look at, you want to lose weight, but let's uncover why. Do you want to lose weight? People say, oh, because I'll be more confident, but it's not about that because there's deeper layers underneath. So again, as you do this work, you can then support your children in that as well. And I will add to this, if you or your kids spending all day on the couch and you're just eating potato chips and eat ice cream out of the tub and never move, of course, we got to look at that. You know, okay, let's bring in some variety with the foods that we're eating. Let's find a way to move that we really enjoy, that we look forward to. Let's get out in nature more. Let's play more. Let's become more creative. You know, all of those things will support the body and well-being. And then the weight will do its thing. You know, our, our body is a very intelligent creation where the weight is taken care of if we take care of those things. And then, yeah, the body will land somewhere, which might not be where we want it to be, but it's where the body wants to be. And then mm -hmm. our work is to go, okay, you know, what do I, what do I need to work on my body or my expectation that I have of my body when it comes to weight? I love that you brought that up and we'll try to round it out with this part is that how do you know where your body is supposed to be? If your Great mind, question. right. If your mind has been driving the bus for so long. And so for most of your clients, you said decades and you know, even if it's a teenager, the mind has been driving that bus of where the body should be for a very long time. How does a person start to listen to where the body wants to be versus the mind? Totally. I'm going to preface this by saying this is scary work. Mm. <laughs> I'm not saying it's just a piece of cake and do this and that. I, I totally get that this is confronting and uncomfortable. So coming back to the things that I just mentioned, you know, firstly, we really want to look at our food relationship. So when we diet and we restrict foods, and when I use the word diet, I mean, in that, that's if you're cutting out carbs, if you're watching what you eat, if you're just saying I'm healthy, I eat clean. These are all forms of diet because they're all forms of restriction where you're deliberately cutting out certain foods and food groups. Even things like saying just eat it in moderation is a form of restriction because you're not giving yourself the full permission to eat. If you have this rule, I'm only allowed to eat two pieces of chocolate a day, for example. What happens if you eat a third or a fourth? You've broken the rule. You're the food criminal. You're going to punish yourself. You're going to eat the whole block. This is usually how it goes. So we want to just firstly address diet mentality and restriction because restriction eventually always leads to overeating and binging. 
And that's a vicious cycle that we got to step out of. So when we address those pieces and we come to a more balanced way with food, you know, we eat regular meals, we eat a wide variety, we're more in tune with what our body's asking for because, and we're terrified that if we just open the door, that's all we'll ever eat, but we won't, you know, you're going to be craving salad and broccoli and, you know, whatever, whatever fruit, whatever foods, you know, you generally enjoy. It's just about connecting back in with our body. And this is such a big piece to help normalize weight or assist the body in normalizing weight because when we restrict and we diet, our body is in a constant stress response, which also leads to weight gain, by the way, you know, because it drives stress hormones. Intermittent fasting is so harmful for women, especially. So again, eating regular balanced meals, eating carbs, eating protein, eating fats, eating dessert, having fun in your life, connecting with other people over meals and in general, getting good sleep, drinking high quality water, getting out into nature, working on nervous system regulation, addressing trauma, connecting with your breath, connecting in with your body, doing some movement, some you know gentle movement, maybe some more high intensity. If you love that, maybe not. So if we're taking care of all of those things, then our body's going to land there. Mm. And to add to that, our ideal body weight is different and different phases in our lives too. We have this goal, dream body weight in our mind. And we think once we get there, we're going to stay there until we die. You know, it's unrealistic to say, yeah, I want the body again that I had when I was 18 as a 50-year-old. You know, our bodies are designed to change. For most people, they gain weight as they age. And there is a good reason for that. And yet all the women are fighting it. So it's the ultimate surrender, really, to go, okay, I'm going to take care of the things that I have the power to take care of and the control. Being also an imperfect, brilliant human who emotionally eats sometimes, which is okay, who loves dessert because sweets just bring so much joy and that's okay. So I'm taking care of all these things. My body's going to take care of the rest. Hmm. I'm going to do my best. And that's all I can do. That is beautiful. <laughs> what you <clears throat> just described is that you described the middle ground. That's the in-between. That's the gray. That's the key or solution to that all or nothing, black or white, perfectionistic way of thinking. It's the in-between. And it doesn't mean you're perfectly in-between all the time. It means it's you're on a continuum because it is a journey. It is recovery. And sometimes you're going to slip back into that old way of thinking. It's just watching the thoughts, but we don't have to act on them. And we can be so kind and compassionate with ourselves because we know where it's coming from. We just want to belong. We just want to be safe. Mm. And you go to your buddy, I know, or your little girl inside and you go, I got you. I got you. We're safe. That's really what it comes down to. Mm. I love that. So thank you so much for this conversation. It was so valuable. So how can people find you? Yeah, I, I mainly hang out on Instagram and I share a lot of 
free value and information through my posts. So I highly recommend following and just checking that out. I'm just about to bring out a free training as well. So there'll be a link in my bio, which is an incredibly powerful training for anyone struggling with binge and over and emotional eating. So that'll be up at some point this week. Awesome. And I'll have that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much again for coming on and sharing your experience, your strength, and your hope with all of us. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Masks Off. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could leave a review, comment, like, or subscribe. And I will see you next week on Masks Off. If you enjoyed this episode of Masks Off and you're ready to take the next step to overcoming people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies, you can reach out to me at kimgrosscoaching.com and book a call. You can also join my free Facebook group for more inspiration and tips. The link is in the show notes. I would love it if you would subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget to share it with others. See you next Thursday on Masks Off with Kim Gross.